You're listening to the Bon Appetit Foodcast. I'm Adam Rappaport. On today's episode, I sit down with Seamus Mullen, chef owner of a couple of Spanish restaurants here in New York City, Tortulia, uh, which he opened in 2011 in the West Village, and El Camado, a tapas and wine bar in Gotham Market West in Hell's Kitchen. What makes Seamus so interesting is not just his food, which is delicious, but how he has completely transformed himself uh, these last five years by how he cooks and eats and exercises. Uh, Seamus suffers from rheumatoid arthritis, and he has managed to basically heal himself, not through drugs and medicine, but through food. And that's the topic of his new book, which comes out in August, Real Food Heals, Eat to Feel Younger and Stronger Every Day. He is insanely knowledgeable about nutrition and food and ingredients. And so he and I talk about that, how to sort of eat better and live better. All right, let's do this thing. Here's Seamus and I. Seamus, welcome to uh, One World Trade. Thanks for having me. You know, I went to the wrong building. And I got into an <laughs> argument with the, uh, with, with the security guy. I'm like, no, I'm going to Condé Nast. It's right here. He said, dude, it's not in this building. Did you not know what One World Trade was, the really no, giant building? I, I knew it, but I was on a bicycle, and um, it's really hard to lock your bike around here. And I remembered there was a bike rack over, uh, not on VZ Street, but like uh, a couple streets over. And so I, I went over there and I went into the other building that's right next door that looks from the ground up to be like one world Yeah, <laughs> they're all put a lot of steel and glass. It's actually yeah. interesting. And I know we're talking about healthy-ish stuff on this podcast. Um, so many more of my colleagues bike to work now mm-hmm. um, throughout the year. And that was a big issue when we moved into One World Trade two years ago. There's like literally 12 bike lockers in the entire building. Oh, really? Which drove people bananas buildings with bike lockers well i think well now new ones yeah. like everything's so green and whatnot right. um you know what's amazing you go to the uh, Stumptown uh headquarters in portland oregon mm-hmm. and right when you walk in the first thing is like the bike room and there's just like racks on racks on racks and bikes hanging from ceilings and everything like that's where everyone because everyone who works there literally mm-hmm. rides a bike it's awesome that's awesome um that's the problem with this building is this building is so fortified because of security reasons right that there's the entire base of this building, which I think is like 15 stories, is pretty much all concrete. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's very little room for things like bicycles. So that, that did not make all the cyclists happy at, no. at, at Condé Nast. No, it's it's hard. And it's very hard to find. I mean, I, there there is one bank of bike racks outside. But for the most part, it's really hard around here to find a place to put a bike. Um, no, I know. And when I do bike, yeah, you got it, you're basically... Yeah. Parking on the street two blocks away and hoping mm-hmm. it doesn't get jacked when by the time you leave work. Um, so... You're looking very fit these days. Oh, thanks. Jackless. And it was funny. I was looking at your book, Hero Food, mm-hmm. from 2012. Yeah. And even then, I'm like, wow, Seamus is a lot like leaner now oh, yeah. in, much, just much. in the last four years. Yep. And yeah. let's, so let's, I, I do want to talk about how you got to be where you are today, mm-hmm. both fitness wise, diet wise, how those two sort of work hand in hand. Um, but it goes back to a, a health crisis that, I mean, I don't know, almost killed you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was uh, I was really sick for a long time. And for a very long time, I was managing it. You know, I was kind of getting by. And like early 2000s? Yeah. I mean, I started feeling pretty crappy right around 2001. Um, but I think I actually had been slowly getting sick before that. And I just, th- there was a lot of stuff that was going on in my health that I didn't realize was um, indicative of, a, of declining general health and of an impending um, crisis. But by the time I was, I would say by the time I was in my late 20s, I really started to feel pretty crappy all the time. 
And I didn't really know how to put a label on it other than there were times that I just didn't have very much energy or my hands hurt or my back hurt, my shoulders hurt. But did you did you think, and I think this happens with a lot of us, like, oh, well, that's just the way it is. I've that's been working a lot. Yeah. I'm hungover. Exactly. I probably shouldn't have had that cheeseburger last night at midnight. And that's, I'm, just, I'm yeah. quote unquote paying the price. And that's just Exactly. Life. Yeah. That was initially for a long time. I thought, oh, well, this is just, I, I work a lot. I work 90 hours a week. I'm, I'm a cook. You're a chef. Yeah. And then it just kind of got more and more, it became more and more obvious that there was something else going on. Um, and I started having these, these really, really acute attacks in different joints where, um, my hand would swell up or my ankles would swell up, my knee would swell up. And it was so painful that it was, I, you know, undeniable. I remember actually working the line at Brasserie Eight and a Half in 2005. And I was the, I was the executive sous chef there. And I had my shoulder was killing me. And I went to reach for the dupe that was coming off of um, the printer. And I couldn't move my arm. Like That's my arm, good. like I looked down and I was looking at my arm and I was trying to move it and it wouldn't move it. The pain was terrible. So I ended up going to the hospital and uh, that was the first of many, many, many trips to the ER. Um, and they did an x-ray. They said there's nothing wrong with me. Um, I didn't have any trauma. You know, and at that point, they didn't know what to look for. They just thought no. you might have had like a joint problem or like a, yeah. a bone problem or something. Exactly. You pulled a muscle or something. Yeah. Nonsense. So I saw I saw an, ortho, an ortho, orthopedic specialist and they're like, well, there's nothing wrong with you. It doesn't look like there's anything on the on the, uh, on the the x-ray. So essentially, they, they kind of said I was being a hypochondriac. There's, there's nothing wrong. <laughs> so they gave me a bunch of pain medication and sent me home. And that happened any, over any, and any, over and over anything again. Anything good? Lots of, yeah. <laughs> unfortunately, yes, because then I ended up really becoming hooked on it for years. Which is what you hear about athletes all the oh, time. Yeah. Well, let me ask yeah. you a question. Do you, all right, you, you, and this eventually led to some acute incidents, mm -hmm. um, which eventually got you to the other side. Mm -hmm. But do you think you would have been in this predicament had you not been a professional chef. And let's just talk about that lifestyle mm -hmm. and that grind of what was it like when you were a line cook back in those yeah. days? Yeah. I mean, it was pretty pretty rotten. I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis, mm -hmm. which is a chronic um, autoimmune disease. And uh, I've had a lot of people ask me over the years if, you know, what caused that? And that was my first question when I was diagnosed. What causes this? And I couldn't get a conclusive answer from the medical community because they didn't really have one. And now, in hindsight, looking back, I really I, I've learned a lot about autoimmune disease, and, and I firmly believe there isn't really, in the case of not only autoimmune disease but a lot of other chronic uh, diseases, there it, you can't pinpoint one, pinpoint one thing and say that caused it. And being a uh, uh, the life of a cook in New York um, 15 years ago certainly didn't help. Yeah. I would say, I mean, it's interesting. My wife is very into Eastern medicine and mm -hmm. how Eastern and Western come together. And that seems to be very, very Western thing. People want an, one answer for, like, yeah. tell me what, tell me why. And it's like, well, it's all kind of connected. Yeah. And let's say, yeah, I mean, so what, back in those days, what was your life like? How many hours were you working? Were you going out every night? Yeah, I was like, working. Um, well, I had been in, in Spain for two and a half years working there. And that was really, really hard. I mean, this is, this is in the early 2000s when Spain was kind of at the height of its culinary, uh, so Fran, Adria, and all that. Yeah, everything. Um, you know, and I was working at Muaritz in San Sebastian, and uh, we worked six days a week. You got to work usually about eight o'clock in the morning. Um, you worked through lunch service, and after lunch service, you had a break for an hour and a half or so, and then you went back to work and you worked dinner service. And Sunday was a and was, what, a, and, was a half day. This being Spain, what time did dinner service wrap up? Uh, dinner itself wrapped around one, and then by the time I got out there, it was like two, and then I would ride my bicycle back. To home. So I, I mean, I was sleeping like four hours a night and working a hundred hours a week. That can't be good for you. No, it's, I mean, there, you can't, there's nothing you can do other than barely survive throughout the whole day. I remember 
I remember one time working the grill. The grill was outside, and I was working the grill, and I remember falling asleep leaning against the grill. <laughs> I was so tired. And we used to have to go forage for things in the in the woods and stuff in the mornings. And uh, it was not uncommon to find cooks that were like lying down in the woods <laughs> sleeping. Like little nymphs. Yeah. What was it? So you came back to New York, and, and you know, New York is a uh, how should I say a very social city. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the social life of a young chef? Were you going out after work? Like, how oh, much yeah. were you drinking? What was that like? And- yeah, I mean, we worked hard. You'd get out of work at one or whatever, or maybe later, and then everybody would go and get drinks, and then you're hungry because you ate you ate family meal at four in the afternoon, which is kind of an uh, I think a very bizarre time to eat a lot of food. Yeah. And then you go into this into dinner service where you're eating a lot of food throughout dinner, but you never just taste it. Yeah, you're constantly. I mean, I remember for many many years I, I was in this. This constant state of never being hungry, but never not being hungry. And you're always eating stuff, and you have to because that's your job. And then you get out of work, and you're kind of you're kind of hungry because you haven't really had a proper meal. Yeah, and you're not satisfying. you're not satisfied. No, it's like being at a cocktail party, and you're yeah. nibbling and nibbling. And you're like, yeah. I'm, and after the party's over, you're like, I don't, I kind of feel like I should, should eat dinner, dinner, but yeah. I'm not really full. But yeah. I don't want to go to bed. So then you end up, of course, eating something. Eating. And then when your body should really be resting and recovering, it's digesting and or or you know dealing with the the impending hangover that's coming or whatever it might be. So, yeah, I mean, we would go out a lot. Um, I would say pretty much every night after work. Eight nights a week. Yeah, exactly. You go out and get drinks, and then there's probably a slice of pizza, or then there's you're going to, like, Corner Bistro and getting a burger or whatever it is, you know. But that's what's so funny. People think, like, oh, if you're, like, a fancy chef, you eat really well. No, you don't. You eat terribly. Yeah. And you have four things in your refrigerator. Yeah, you exactly. Home. Yeah. And one of them is mayonnaise. <laughs> um, and God knows how long it's been there. Uh, yeah, no, so we, we'd go out and then I, pretty pretty much every night go out and get a drink, get something to eat. And then most nights, like four nights a week, going out, meeting up with other people from other restaurants and staying out pretty late. Yeah. So I mean, that, it's, it's interesting now, you know, I see certain chefs who haven't had this sort of life change moment like you mm-hmm. have. And you're, just, and then you're like, wow, you don't look so good. You no. can just tell. Cause it, it, yeah. it wears on you, man. It's not... It's not sustainable. I mean, I think that there's there's some people that that can continue to survive despite it for a really long time. But the, eventually, you know, your body's going to break down. It's just it's it's too hard to be out till four in the morning, four nights, five nights a week, and then go back and work a an, uh, ten, twelve hour day. Yeah, I mean, there's the few Keith Richards types out there who yeah, somehow who process break the mold. It. Yeah, but that's just yeah. a weird genetic sort of freak moment. What yeah. um. So when did everything come to a head for you? So it really came to a head in 2007. Um, and I would say that's probably like the, the moment that was the most critical. And I, I ended up being hospitalized with really, really severe pain in my left hip. Um, and after being in the hospital for a week trying to figure out what was going on with this, they discovered that my hip was full of fluid, um, which is why I was in so much pain. Because the, as the femur kind of moves out of the pelvis, the um, sciatic nerve gets stretched. And then it was just like, you know, it's incredibly painful. What type of doctor eventually accurately? A rheumatologist. A rheumatologist. Yeah. So I was in the hospital at Beth Israel, and they kind of sent out. This. Initially, they thought I actually had a septic hip that I had a um, I had an infection in my hip uh, because my white blood cell count was so high. How um, how freaked out were you at this point? I was really freaked out. Um, I also was really just in so much pain that I just wanted some answers. Yeah. 
So I didn't know, I, I had no idea what was causing all of this. Um, and when, when they initially thought I had a septic hip, I actually, uh, they sedated me and I ended up in the operating room. They were going to do what's called a, a pelvic evap- evacuation where they kind of split you open and they take, they just scrub it out because if you have a septic hip, it can go to your spinal cord and to your brain and kill you. Um, and uh, I, had, I had a moment where I kind of, I woke up in the operating room and I was literally prepped for surgery. And my brother was there. Have you I, have you ever watched Westworld? I watched. Yeah, I watched a little bit of it. Yeah, sort of oh, like it's, that. Yeah, when the when the robots wake up on yeah, the table. Exactly. Like, how, where, am where am I? Yeah, <laughs> wasn't I just shooting a six shooter? And, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, my brother was there, and I asked him what was going on. Apparently, they had decided while I was unconscious that they needed to perform the surgery, and my brother convinced the doctors to perform a a culture of what was going on in my hip in the in the in the OR. And they were, they didn't see any bacteria growing, mm-hmm. any unusual bacteria, and so they, he said, "Listen, I, I don't want you to do this." And uh, did it, was he a medically knowledgeable fellow at all? No, he just no, he's like you know he grew up on a farm like just, me in Vermont, just a dude from Vermont, <laughs> yeah, who, well, exactly. that's a pretty smart move. Though. Yeah, no, but I I mean I owe my brother my life um, for many reasons, but he uh, he definitely he said, "Listen, we can't let this happen. It's going to change Seamus's life for the rest of his life." You yeah. Know? Um, unless we have 100% certainty that that's what's going on, I'm, I don't want you to. I don't want you to cut a, cut into him. And uh, and when they found that there was no infection, they reached out to all the departments in the hospital to say if anyone could see if anyone knew what could cause that kind of inflammation without an infection. And that's where the chair of rheumatology came back and said, I think he might have RA. Let me look at him. It sounds like an autoimmune response. And uh, and the funny thing is, is that now autoimmune disease, AI disease and all that's a it's very common. Yeah. People are it's a, they're common terms where people are, are familiar with it, even rheumatoid arthritis. Um, but this is ten years ago and um, I didn't even really know what autoimmune disease was. I had no concept of what an AI disease was. I had never heard of RA before. Um, so he said, he said, listen, I th- I'm going to run some tests. He diagnosed me and eventually gave me this diagnosis of rheumatoid arthritis, which I was like, okay, hey, that's great. I've never heard of that. And he walked out of the room and I started Googling it and immediately was like, oh, do, do not yeah, ever, don't Dr. ever, Google. don't ever Google. Dr. <laughs> Google <laughs> told me that I was never going to work again. I was going to be, I was going to be in a wheelchair. I was going to be on meds for the rest of my and life. And some really gnarly pictures. Yeah. Some very, very gnarly pictures. So Fortunately, that didn't happen, although that could have happened if I hadn't made a change in my okay, life. Okay, so you at least know what the problem is. In a way, that's a good thing, mm-hmm. obviously, the first step to, to solving the problem. Yep. Um, most Americans, I would imagine, uh, they get diagnosed. They say, what drug do I take? Mm-hmm. And they get a prescription, and their doctor tells them what to take every day, and then they start taking drugs, yeah. and uh, and that's that. Um you decided out of the gate not to go that, that no, route, or what happened? No, no. I mean, I, I started with the conventional allopathic treatment, mm-hmm. which was it, conservatively, it started with anti-inflammatories and, and prednisone, um, which now in hindsight, I can't believe that prednisone is a conservative treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, I was on it for many, many years. Uh, and then, did, and your, then, did your health insurance cover everything? or? Um, yeah, I think for the most part, things like missing work yeah. and uh, taxis. Yeah. You know, when barely being able to get out of bed and things like that. So I, I started with conventional treatment. That um, I went down the road of, of doing that and just sort of accepting that I was going to be a sick person for the rest of my life. And I settled into this life of just functioning and getting by as a as somebody who was on pretty heavy duty meds. And I definitely um, I felt really sorry for myself. I had this sense of like, why me? I didn't deserve this. This is bullshit. You know, I, I can't believe I have to fucking live with this. I'm in so much pain all the time. 
And where um, were career-wise, <clears throat> where were you at this I point? Had, I had uh, I had opened um, Boqueria on 19th Street, and so it was my first job as an executive chef and as a partner in a restaurant. So you, But um, you were still able, and that's a really delicious modern Spanish restaurant that was very popular mm-hmm. and did really well out of the gate. So you were still able to think creatively and yeah. enthusiastically about food. Yeah, I mean, How my, hard was that, though? My life was Did you was have an work. appetite? Um, yeah, I did. I definitely had an appetite. I mean, I ate a lot. Um, my life was work and dealing with disease. Yeah. So uh, those that was pretty much the entirety of it. And and you know and and in there and also and to me work was also going out and partying with my friends and yeah. doing all that. Um, so you were still doing that. I was still doing that because but I, you, you shouldn't know, have been. I imagine. N- no, but I mean it's really hard when you're when you're dealing with chronic pain. You feel like shit all the time, and someone tells you you have to drink a green juice and you have to do yoga every day and blah and you do those things and you don't feel any better. Yeah. It's it's like what's the point? I might as well eat ice cream and go out and party and get wasted, and at least I have enjoy myself. I have some modicum of, of pleasure, and it really you know I kind of I continued in that direction for a really long time, and taking uh, taking all the the meds that I was on until I got to the point where it's my health really really started to break down. I mean I was in the hospital all the time, and then eventually I, I developed an infection in my brain, which was probably the result of being on immunosuppressants. Um, I would just say this. This is probably, I'm looking at Emma, my producer, probably our most unappetizing podcast <laughs> to date so far. <laughs> We're going to talk about cupcakes and candy in yeah. a minute. No, we're going to talk about delicious food. Yeah. All right. So you, okay, so you almost we'll die pause. again. Yes. Yeah, so this is the major one. This is when I really almost die. And then I come out of there and have this moment where I see the light and all of that. And I think I'm gonna, it's going to be over. And I realize something's got to give. I've got two choices. Either I change or I die. And uh, and I was lucky, kind of coming out of that to. to and what year is this now? This is uh, five years ago. Okay, yeah. like two thousand twelve. Twelve. Yeah. Um, and I mean, leading up to this, I knew that there was a correlation between food and my health, and I was figuring it out sort of, but I wasn't really making much progress. I was getting there. Um, and when I came out of that, I, I I met this great doctor, Dr. Frank Lipman, who practices functional uh, yes. medicine. My wife is. Yeah, yeah she's. She, yeah. I'm sure she follows Frank. <laughs> and and Frank was like, listen, I I want to work with you. I don't want to treat RA. I want to treat whatever is causing RA. So yeah. just like if you look at a tree and the leaves are brown, you don't paint the leaves green. You address the root system and you look at what the underlying causes. And so he started to draw this picture of all the different things in my life, the factors that might have led to creating an environment in which uh, my immune system could go awry. And certainly the hard driving life of being a cook was part of it, uh, partying, part of it, but also overuse of antibiotics, um, uh, infection, bad choices about diet. Like there are not a lot of things that really, I think, impacted, created the environment that was right for disease to thrive in my body. He said, listen, I want to work with you. You're going to have to do all the work. I'm not really going to do anything. It's going to be on you. But you're going to get better. And no doctor had ever said that to me. Every yeah. doctor said, we're going to manage your disease and something you're going to live with for the rest of your life. And, you know, remission is a possibility, but not something that we can expect. Did you did you go off drugs wholesale at that point and say, let's, let's, let's start a new I program? I slowly did. Yeah. yeah. I had to slowly go off drugs. I couldn't um, – it, it, took, it took a year and change to get off of drugs. But also it took a year – for me to completely reverse all of the symptoms of RA and then all of the biological markers for it. So if you were to look at my bloods now, there's no indication that I have an autoimmune dysfunction yeah. at all. So, all right, so you came out with Hero Foods in 2012, about 18 ingredients that can sort of change the way mm-hmm. you feel and live. You have a new book coming called, out yeah, it's in called, August. Yeah, it's called Real Food Heals, Eat to Feel Younger and Stronger Every Day. All right, so let's let's get to the delicious uh, yes. portion of the podcast yes. I know listen you're a, a wonderfully talented chef uh, you you make really delicious food 
how do we eat well and also feel well? Because I, I as you it's said, easy. I don't, I don't, I don't want to just drink <laughs> green juice all day. No. I don't want to eat wasa crackers with some labna on it. No. I want to eat some good food also. Yeah. Well, so it, it, the the good news is is that. Um, with a couple of broad strokes, there's like a bazillion things you can eat that are really, really good and they're good for us. And I think that I changed the way that I looked at the relationship I have with food. And I, I really started to understand that the choices I make about food directly impact not only how I feel, but actually the person that I become every moment. Because we're constantly, you know, regenerating cells. We're we're in, we're creatures in motion. We're always evolving. And to to really do that well, you have to have a very good relationship with food, not an antagonistic relationship with food. And there's so many foods that are we call comfort foods that actually make us really uncomfortable, and we may yeah. not even realize that after they, we yeah, eat them. After yeah. we eat them, and there's like a nostalgic element which I totally can appreciate. Um, but the reality is that there's I, I I tend to go towards the things that I really you know that 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 make me. Feel, I mean, I'm just thinking about like what I had last night for dinner. For yeah, instance, what'd you have? I, I had uh, green papaya salad with fermented shrimp. Um, I had uh, pork chop. Um, what kind of pork chop and from where? Uh, it was a Berkshire pork chop um, from my kitchen. Uh, and, yeah, just, uh, just grilled up nice yeah, and simple. Yeah, simple, yeah, with, with a little bit of fish sauce um, and lime. What else did I have? Um, that might have been like – that might have been it actually. Yeah. But so – Really, are you, are it, you not a big carb guy? So I don't eat carb. Like I don't. Well, there's carbs in that, but I don't yeah. eat simple carbs. So yeah. I don't eat bread and I don't eat um, grains, and uh, I don't. I eat a little bit of rice, but not that much. We, um, so you, we I ran into you at this golf event mm-hmm. we did last summer, and I asked you a lot of these questions about sort of getting fit while also eating well. Eat For those well, yeah. of us who don't have a, 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 a autoimmune disease, um, and. My challenge with what you were telling me was, A, fully understanding it because you mm-hmm. go deep on the food yep. science and medicine here. But also, like, I can't not eat carb. Our metabolisms didn't evolve to eat carbs. We didn't start eating carbohydrates. But then uh, why do we like them so much? Well, because they have a they have a, the same sort of effect on, on our neurological system as, as drugs do. And mm. they're very satisfying in many ways yes. quickly. And the problem is, is that carbs impact our metabolism the same way that sugar, sugars do. Um, in order to break down the glucose into glycogen, we need to produce um, insulin. So our pancreas, pancreas produces insulin. Dude, this is where you started to lose. Okay, well, okay, yeah. well, I won't, I won't go too deep into it. But essentially, if you can imagine, when you eat carbs or you eat sugar, your blood sugar spikes yep. and you get you feel good. Yeah, but for then like it, 15 minutes. It, yeah, well, yeah, it yeah. depends on what kind yeah. of sugar it is. Like if it's sugar that's in an orange, it's it's going to be slow. Whereas if it's just orange juice, it's going to be really fast. Yeah. Um, so your blood sugar goes up and you feel pretty good, but then eventually you're going to need more of it. And when you don't have it, when you take that out of your diet, because it's a, a regular part of your diet, your body is constantly going to be looking for that to produce glycogen so you have energy. Um, but as, if, as you start to change your metabolism, which is very doable, I mean, you look at, I mean, for instance, it's what time is it? It's like noon. I haven't eaten since 7 o'clock yesterday. I feel fine. You didn't have breakfast this morning? No, I, I almost never have breakfast. I've heard it's the most important meal of the day. People say that. I, I've heard it's the most oversold <laughs> meal. Of, uh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Don't tell the no. breakfast board. <laughs> no, I think I think the most important meal of the day is the first meal you eat, whether oh. you eat it at 6 in the oh, morning, okay. right. you eat it at 3 in the afternoon. Um, I think it is the most important meal that you eat because it sets your metabolism up for that day. What did you have a harder time getting off of, French fries or ice cream? Uh, probably French fries. Yeah. And I'm not off ice cream. Oh. Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. I thought – wait, how can you not be off – I thought you're off sugar. Yeah. I, well, I don't eat sugar regularly, uh-huh. but I'm not going to be sanctimonious and say I don't ever eat sugar. So how um, often do you not eat sugar? 
I mean, I don't eat, I eat ice cream maybe once a week, a little mm -hmm. bit of ice cream once a week. And also because of the fat in ice cream, fat is really good for you. Good fat is good for you. Well, let's talk about and good fat because in yeah. your book, the first book, you talk about lamb fat being mm -hmm. good for you. Sure. Is yeah. not all fat the same? Not all fat is created equal. No. So can we talk about that? Because I yeah. like fat. Yeah, fat is good. <laughs> okay, well, fat is nutrient dense. I mean, this the whole reason that, that we started demonizing fat is because it has more calories than carbohydrates. Okay. Um, and so we had this notion, it was started by a guy named Ansel keys in the 1950s that a uh, calorie is a calorie. So if you're eating one um, gram of, of fat versus one gram of carbohydrates, you're getting more calories in the fat than you are in the carbohydrates. So better eat the carbohydrates um, because it's this notion of like you put gas into a car and you can drive it until you run out of gas. And the problem with that is that you're taking a, a physical law, a law of physics, energy cannot be created or destroyed and you're applying it to the system the biological system of the body and things happen in the body um, when you put fuel in it gets converted into all different things so imagine like putting sugar into your body and then like you get 25% usage out of it and the other 75% stays in the body essentially as fat um, when you put fat into the body good fat your body uses it it uses mm. it, and you probably don't need as much of it, and it's very satisfying. So, you know, it's, it's easy to eat a whole bag of potato chips. It's really hard yes. to eat, like, a whole bag of avocados. I've never eaten a whole bag of lamb chops, for instance. Or a whole bag of lamb chops. I will say this. I made lamb chops the other day uh, for my wife and me. Um, went to Italy over here, bought four little lamb rib chops. Mm -hmm. mm, I love those. Not cheap, but I only bought four. So I mm -hmm. think there was, like, 26 bucks a pound, and I basically bought – Two double chops, so it was like about twenty six dollars mm -hmm. for the two of us, which is not bad. Thirteen no. bucks each. Um, but what's interesting, I was looking at them and I was like, should I get the third chop so we each have three chops, or is it enough that we each only have two chops? Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know what? I, time to practice what I preach. I'm only gonna get the two chops because I was look. They were so well marbled. There was so mm -hmm. much fat in there that I knew that fat was gonna be so satisfying, satisfying. as yeah. you're gnawing in the bone and you like crisped them up in the pan with a little rosemary. And they were so delicious, and we had a little Greek salad, and I made some tzatziki, and we had some brown rice, and it was delicious See, that's meal. that's awesome, yeah. You know? and, and if you can, like, if you can make the Greek salad really, really big and yeah. the brown, brown rice a really small portion of the lamb. See, the, See, br the brown that, rice, is the, yeah. that's, I keep on going back to the brown I rice. Know. I'm like, I need that thing to fill me up. How do you get sated, though, if you don't? That's what I understand. Like, if I don't have brown rice or if I don't have French fries or if I don't have some sort of carby carbiness. Like, I feel like I, there's like this hole that's not filled in my right. stomach. Yeah. Also, no two humans are created equally. We're all different. And so for some people, that is the case, that they, they really do, they run better on some carbohydrates carbohydrates than other people. Um, but I, I think that you can you can change it up. But yeah, the fat thing is, I mean, that's great. That's exactly, uh, I believe in the whole idea of eat less, comma, better meat. Yeah, you know, yeah eat, and, it's, eat, and it's more satisfying. Yeah, eat a little bit and that leaves you kind of remembering how good it is. And, and the bone is awesome because then you do gnaw on the bone. Yeah. And so you're continually mm. satisfying that desire. All right, let's talk about um, diet and fitness slash mm -hmm. athletics. You've gotten hardcore into cycling over the last several yep. years. You, I know you uh, lead these trips in mm -hmm. throughout Europe, which yep. I want to go on one you of got these. To come with me, man. Yeah. Come, come with me. I got a great one in Sicily in June. I haven't been on a bike trip since I was 15, but maybe I can get into shape. Uh, um, I'm sure you'd be fine. Talk about your diet when you're sort of, you know, in the city and you're Tertullio and stuff mm -hmm. compared to your diet when you're biking 100 miles a day or something, you know? Like, yeah. how do you eat differently? 
I don't really eat that much differently. I mean, the reality is I, I feel like when you're eating for health, you're eating for performance too. So if you're eating well, which means you're eating nutrient-dense foods, lots of vegetables, lots of good healthy fats, um, you know, a small amount of natural sugar is fine. It's not It's not going to kill you. It's not necessarily great for you. Same thing goes with alcohol. Like small amount of alcohol is fine. You yeah. know, no big deal. Um, if I'm on the bike I, and I'm going to do a really, really long ride, I will eat a bigger breakfast before that. You'll increase your calorie intake for yeah, the day. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. And and um and I mean, you know, when I when I do like a 120-mile ride, just to put it in perspective, we that's like a 5,000 kilojoule ride. I mean, it's like it's like 5,000 ki- 5, kilojoules is essentially how we measure how hard that you work. It means how many how much power you've mm. produced over the period of the ride, which equates is interesting in cycling. A kilojoule nicely is equates that, to exactly is that like J E W E L or no? No, J O U J O U E L. Okay, yeah. Right. Um, I can't spell it in my head. It's more or less like that. So it's a it's a it's a measurement of power. Um, that equates nicely to one calorie. So 5,000 kilojoules is like 5,000 calories. Wow. That's a lot. And most people, you know, you think, uh, oh, it worked out. I burned like 100 calories. <laughs> so you're not creating a calor- caloric deficit when you go and run in the treadmill unless you're doing it for like, you know, a marathon runner yeah. for three or four hours. But on a bicycle, if you go out and ride 120 miles really hard, you will create a caloric deficit and you need to replenish those calories. You can't just... What if you're trying to lose weight, though? It's not an effective way of losing weight. Exercise is the most... Um, I would say one of the most ineffective ways of losing weight. Yeah, you see, you mentioned this last time. I don't understand. Don't, don't you? Isn't that how you burn calories? And you need to Burning have fewer ca- calories coming in than no, going you don't. Out? That's the food pyramid from the 1950s. That's the notion that we are a system where you just kind of put gas in the tank and burn what's what's there. A calorie in and a calorie out. If you're trying to create, I mean, to give you perspective. 5,000 calories is probably like a you know a quarter pound of body fat. Okay. So so if you want to lose 10 pounds, that means you have to be creating a 20,000 20, calorie deficit for 20, 20 days. Okay, but – Impossible. So then how do people lose weight? How does like – I have friends like – I was, you know, like talking mm-hmm. to Brad in the test kitchen. Brad Leone, we mm-hmm. just saw. Brad stopped drinking beer for a, whatever mm-hmm. a couple of weeks and he lost 10 pounds. Yeah. How does, surprise. I, so, but how does? But isn't that because he has fewer calories coming? No, in? no, it's because yeah, because well, beer is beer is carbohydrates and sugar, and when you eat carbohydrates and sugar, your is that body, why is that why it tastes so good? Part of why, <laughs> yeah, and then alcohol is in there, and then the socializing is why yeah. it tastes so good too. But yeah, what, I mean, what happens is when you when you eat sugars and carbohydrates, your body converts them into white fat. Essentially, whatever you can't use gets converted into white fat for hibernation. For like for a rainy day when you need to have it. And we're all walking around, even if you're super lean, we're all walking around with thousands and thousands of calories that we could access if we knew how to, if our bodies knew how to, which is what we used to, you know, 10, 15,000 years ago, our bodies knew how to access those calories really well. Um, Which is why people can go very, very long periods of time without eating, but Mm. they can't go long periods of time without drinking. Mm. And they can't go very long without air. No, no, I like so Big fan. So, yeah, so exactly. Air is a good thing. So to lose weight from exercise, it's really difficult. What you can do is you can change the way that your metabolism works depending upon the exercise that you do. And obviously, exercise and strength building, for instance, creates muscle tone, which changes the way you look slightly. Yes. Um, but what tends to happen is that when people adopt the, the healthy habit of exercising, 
they think twice about the food choices they're making. And so we tend to – it's one of those things like we talk about disease being contagious, but I think health is actually even more contagious. Ooh, I like that. So is that, is to, that in your book? Do you it's use in that? My, I probably said it yeah. at some point. It's not the That's first time one. I said it. But it's true. I, I do yeah. believe it. Like the more – when you – good decisions beget more good yeah, decisions. Yeah, totally. It's, and you um, feel good and you don't yeah. want to put something in your body that makes you feel not good. Yeah, exactly. So but in terms of like – so losing weight, it's mm-hmm. more about diet than it's exercise. It's entirely about diet. And exercise helps to reinforce diet. Let me ask you a question. All right. So let's say most of us um, don't bike 120 miles on the reg. We mm-hmm. work in big office buildings yeah. like this one. What are some basic things we should or should not be doing to help ourselves sort of feel better on a, on a weekly basis? Well, one thing is you should be drinking a lot of water. Okay, I yeah. do that. Yeah, that's, that's a really good thing to do. Drink a lot of water. Um, I, I mean, I think re- exercise is really, really important, and I, and I do it, you know, pretty much every day in some capacity. I think using your body, it's, um, you know, the, uh, my friend um, Bill Gifford wrote this great book called uh, How to Live Forever, Die Trying, and that's not that's the subtitle. For, um, uh, I can't remember the title of the book. It's a, it's an awesome book. Anyway, and I, I was so mad at him though because when I got to the end of the book, I realized like the whole secret is he could have summed it up in in, in one sentence: use it or lose it. <laughs> so the, the human body gets really good at doing whatever the human body does. If you if you do nothing or sit in a chair all the time, it gets really good at sitting in a chair. So if you're at a desk job, move around, yep. stand up. Sit down, squat, sit on the floor. Don't always sit in a chair. Yeah, um, I, I think sitting on the floor is good. Like when you have a meeting and forcing everybody to sit on the floor. Bean, what about bean bags? And then what about okay for us office workers? Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of diet, what we eat, when, or how much, when is it still lunches? Have a big lunch and small dinner, or what? Uh, philosophy? Yeah, I mean, I well, okay. So I think that, um, and this is this is ironic because I'm a chef and what I do is pedal food, but I think it's really important to embrace hunger. Mm. I think it, it's it's important to understand hunger and understand it. not not I I'm, like I absolutely hate that fucking term hangry because hangry is <laughs> hangry is is such a um, it's it's just a symptom of everything that's wrong with our relationship with food. I don't think that there's speaking of my wife again. There's no there's no term that better describes Simone. I mean she when she's hangry like, she's hangry. Yeah, get out of the way. Yep, and that I mean that's that's you know. We go, in cycling, we call it bonking when your blood sugar drops really, really low and you can't think properly. You yeah. just have to have food. Um, that's usually happens when you're when wait, you're not. Wait, sorry to interrupt, but when mm-hmm. you're on one of these 120 mile rides, uh-huh. what do you do? You have like bananas with you? Do you have power bars with you? Um, what are you eating while you're on the bike? Well, <laughs> I I have been known to pull a can of sardines out of my out of oh my, my jersey God. before. Um, uh, cured meat, uh, yes, sausages. So pro, and, yeah. more proteiny. Yeah, protein yeah. and fat. I mean, I do like I'll, I'll have some dried fruit. Um, uh-huh. And there are now there are a lot of manufacturers of bars that have very low in sugar that have natural ingredients okay. and don't have stabilizers in, in in them. But if you get my my thing and my feeling is oh almond butter. That's what I eat though all the time. Oh okay, yeah, almond cool. butter is what I eat on the bike all the time. Not as flavorful as peanut butter though. Oh man, a little bit of maple syrup in the almond butter is very good. Oh well, sure. I mean, yeah, yeah but you don't I, need very much though, just a little bit and some sea salt. Um, but if my f- experience is when you get noticeably hungry, mm-hmm. you then end up eating more aggressively. It depends on what you eat. Like when I was in college, and I was really hungry. I'd get a, like a super breed carnitas burrito at yeah. Gordo Burrito in, exactly. in Berkeley, and I would just wolf the entire thing El with Gordo a giant burrito, yeah. Yeah, bag of chips. And next thing I know, I'm like on the sofa. Right, like a, exactly. Because if you were to look at the if you were to look at the macros of that, it was like eighty percent carbohydrates. But it's so good. It's so good. Yeah, it tastes good. I don't. I don't. I, yeah, but then you feel terrible and you're bloated forever. It, so, it, but how do you not stuff yourself if you're embracing hunger? You're like, oh man, I'm starved. I'm going to go to town on this. Well, you can. I mean, like I have the every day at lunch, I have the big ass salad, and I have a massive big ass salad. Is that on the menu? 
Well, yeah, I, some, yeah, I call it the BAS. Yeah, in some capacity, it is. They're always so I, you know, big salad with a lot so, of, like, lot of all right, vegetables. So, so what's in today's salad, for instance? Oh, today's salad. I it's mean, January. So. It's January, so we'll have bitter greens. Um, so there'll be there'll be some Castelfranca and some radicchio. Um, there probably some uh, some kale and some other lettuce in it. Then there's going to be some pickled squash in it. Maybe some persimmon. I'm going to have a little bit of fruit, mm-hmm. some nuts, avocado seeds, um, and I might you know throw um, some grilled chicken in there too. Yeah, it's, it, it, is it typically good to have some sort of protein in there? I think it. Well, I mean, could you do an egg also? You could have an egg. Is, yeah. Egg is awesome. Egg is like, like the perfect food in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I think it's it, when you have protein and nutrients, you got to have fat yeah. because fat helps you absorb those nutrients. What, where do you fall on cheese? I never understood if I'm uh-huh. cheese good, bad. I never know. How does that? How does cheese work? Um, I think like, well, it depends on the individual. If Some people don't react well to cheese. Obviously, mm-hmm. if you're yes. lactose intolerant or you and um, you know you, you have trouble with, with certain cheeses, then obviously stay away with them, away from them. Cheese has um, fat in it, has protein in it, and it has sugar in it. Um, so it really kind of depends on, on how you feel about the cheese. If you're really trying to... If you're really trying to lose weight, you go into the. You heard about nutritional ketosis? No. Okay. <laughs> that that's a deep dive. But if you're really trying to, that nutritional ketosis is when you only eat, essentially eat fat and you keep your carbohydrates oh, below a hundred grams a day. Yeah. Um, and and cheese factors into that. And and what you end up doing is you you're, you're turning your body into a fat burning machine. But on a day to day regular diet, is there certain types of cheese that are theoretically quote unquote better for you than other types? Uh, I don't. I mean, like more aged or. I, I, I think that yeah, anything raw, that's raw is good. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not a big fan of 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 altering natural ingredients. So while I understand that it's good not to die from a bacterial infection, at the same time, I think that we inoculate way too much, and we're you know we're really we're, we we overpasteurize things, and we take a lot of the nutritional quality out of of, of raw ingredients by doing that for the sake of so-called safety. Um, so cheese is where do I land on cheese? It's up. To, I mean, I eat cheese not not a whole lot. I don't eat it every day. It's delicious. Cheese is. I think cheese is great. I also think that the quality of the cheese. Choose good cheese. Yeah, and good and meat. enjoy and good meat. Yeah, and, and just eat in moderation. Yeah. yeah. All right, Seamus, before we let you go, mm-hmm. uh, first of all, a new book comes out in August? In August, yeah. It's called Real Food Heals. It comes out. It's published by Avery. Um, and I'm super excited. We're, it's it's actually available for pre-sale on Amazon now. So everybody can get a copy. Excellent. At Amazon.com. It's a place yeah. you but go buy stuff. Yep, yep. You got any TV stuff coming out we should know about? Um, let's see. Probably I was just on the Today Show last week. I oh, do a cool. lot of stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I've got some more Today Show segments coming up. Look around. You'll see them. Yeah. Uh, but before we let you go, we got our lightning round. Yes. Either or. Yes. But we got to talk about Healthiest, too. Oh, Healthiest, our new website. Yeah. Launched by Bonapetit.com called BEHealthiest.com is where you can find it. Also, Healthy underscore ish, like on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Instagram feeds a lot of fun. Um, I wanted, when we launched it, we launched it last week, and going into this, I was like, we need to get Seamus to do a column for this. Mm-hmm. After I ran into you last summer and you started talking to me about all this stuff in a way that I was like, wow, that's fascinating. And you obviously can explain things really well. What's your first column about? Uh, so, my first column is about, um, it's a little bit about my story and kind of outlines my, my nutritional philosophy. And then it's about what I think in many ways embodies my belief about food in one dish. Mm, so what is that dish this time? 
Do you want me to tell you? Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay, but so, yeah. All right, so it's, on. so because the world needs another avocado dish. Mm. You know what? The world does. I would yeah. eat avocado. I do okay. eat avocados. You can't get sick of them. So this this is crushed avocado. It's crushed up with um, with lime juice, with ginger, and with anchovy. Ooh, ginger, fresh and anchovy. ginger. Ooh, okay. Yeah, fresh might, ginger, anchovy. You might have lost juice. me on the anchovies, but keep going. Oh, I know. But I when you have guy. it, you love I it. I know. And cilantro, and then it has um, shaved kohlrabi that's dressed with avocado oil and 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 lime juice. And it's really, really good. Do you serve it with something, or how? Yeah. It... So the idea is like kind of like chips and guacamole, but mm-hmm. instead of using chips, you're using vegetables. Oh, interesting. And it's it's really, really tasty, really satisfying, and it is good for your microbiome, which is very important for your gut bacteria. Mm. It is low and inflama- low low uh, inflammatory um, dish, so there's not going to be infl- any inflammatory response to it, and it's uh, really dense in micronutrients and healthy fat, so it's kind of the perfect dish. All right, so this will be a regular recurring column mm-hmm. on Healthyish. Well, there'll be some writing. There'll be a recipe each time. Yep. Um, check it out, behealthyish.com. Um, look for it, uh, yeah, on, a, on, on the reg. All right. That's right. All right. Speed now round. are we ready for speed We're round. ready for speed Light, round. Lightning round. It's, lightning it's even, round. It's even faster, although it's halftime. It's not fast. We just talked about right. it. Um, I got to stretch. Hold on. Got to make sure. Uh, yeah. Okay, go. Okay. Um, Bocarones or anguiles? Anguiles. Anguilas. Anguilas. Um, I'm going to say bocarones, though. Explain bocarones. Bocarones are pickled uh, pickled anchovies. How do you like them? Straight or? In a bazillion different ways. This is a question from Andrew Knowlton, our resident cyclist nerd. Uh, Yes. Steel or carbon? Oh, man. Everyone's going to hate me. Carbon. That's a frame, carbon yep. frame. Why, carbon why would why would people hate you? I'm not a cycling. Guy. Oh, because like the you know the the nerds are like steel is real, man. <laughs> steel is but real. The, the reality is that that um, carbon is a modern material. Although I just built up an aluminum bike. How many how many bikes do you own? Uh, oh, probably boy. twelve. Oh my god, fifteen. <laughs> you kidding a me? A lot. Uh, Iberico ham or chorizo? Come on, Iberico. Iberico. The best. Just, my accent is just. He's okay. Yeah. No worries. And you, you have, but with Iberico, typically, correct me if I'm wrong, that's usually hand carved, whereas mm-hmm. uh, prosciutto is cut in the machine. The yeah. machine. Um, I but like there's that. lots of other things that make it different. Yeah. Yeah. No, like well, that's, a, that's, a, that's, that's a whole other podcast. Yeah. Um, Barca or Real Madrid? Barca. Have you always been a Barca guy? Yep. Do you, do you watch the games on the weekend and stuff? Uh, Try to? Not that often, but when they're, when you know, I'm definitely, I'm a, I'm kind of a Johnny come lately when it comes to when it comes to sports. Like I enjoy doing them more than watching them. Yeah. Except for cycling, I follow cycling really closely. That's yeah, probably better for you. Um, Aborino or Chocoli? Chocoli. I love that. Zippy. Yep. It's a zippy yep. wine, and it has theater in the way it's poured. Oh, that's that one. Yeah. Is that where they do the whole? Yeah, it's called La Scantia, where they where they, they pour it from a pie to aerate it, but it also creates a little bit of theater. I was at some bar, rest, old school restaurant in D.C. years ago, back in my young single days, and them like doing it super high, but pouring it on the side of your nose that, that went in your mouth. Yes. Oh my so god! So you kind of tilted your head over, and they had the spout, and they would go higher and higher and higher. Oh my god, that sounds awful. That was a fun night. Um, <laughs> you sure that was a tradition, or it just? Happened? I don't know. It happened yeah. though. The guy uh, got drunk. Climber or sprinter? Oh, sprinter. Mm. Without a doubt, climbing just sounds miserable. Going up, they, they, they always watch the Tour de France. Like, oh, they're climbing this mountain in the Alps. I'm like, that looks like the most painful, uh, miserable it's thing horrible. ever for it's, hours. It's, it's it's yeah, and it's like for I'm a big guy, so it's mathematically it's very challenging. Um, Spanish tortilla or really creamy French scrambled eggs? 
Yeah, I'm going to go with creamy food. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Yes, nicely done. Correct answer. Um, Cider or kava? Uh, Ooh. I'm going to go with cider. When ordering Spanish cider, any advice you want to give the listeners, what to look for? Uh, Be wary of the fact that it's going to be very dry. It's not Mm. sweet. Spanish cider is very, very dry. Okay. And like many other Spanish uh, beverages like like. Sherry, for instance, it's an acquired taste. It's rare that someone has it the first time, like, oh, I love this. It's usually like, oh, that's interesting. But if you have it with, <laughs> yeah, which we know, we know what that means. But if you have it with some blue cheese, or you have it with some some almonds, or you have it with uh, some chorizo, it starts to make a lot of sense. sense. So it, it works really well with food. And more as an aperitivo sort of thing than yeah, sitting down to exactly. a full meal. Awesome. Yeah. All right, last question butter or olive oil? Oh man! Wow, pregnant pause. Oh man, the the earliest me would say butter. Then the then the then the early chef in me would say olive oil. And now I'd say I can't live without either. Mm. I know it doesn't. Emma, are we accepting that as an answer? Oh, she just said no. no. Yeah. Okay, can I blend them up together? <laughs> like like the parquet. I like when you sort of use yeah. the pan and you put some olive oil least, in the pan do, with the butter, so the butter doesn't, doesn't burn. burn. I do that all yeah. the time. So that's how I make my scrambled eggs. All right, there yeah. you go. Um, I'm gonna have to say olive oil, uh, because Spanish little, olive oil. Spanish olive oil, because it's a little more versatile than butter. But that said, I think really good quality butter from grass-fed milk is a very, very healthy ingredient to cook with. Thank you for telling us. All right, Seamus Mullen, everyone. Thanks for coming out. Thanks for having me. This podcast has been brought to you by Carrie Polis, Emma Wurtzman, and Lily Sherman, with editing by Mitra Kaboli. Our theme music is by Valerie and the Gradies. We have new episodes every Wednesday, and if you want to tell us about this or any other episode, email us at bonappetitfoodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.